1: Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on US. Mintmobile.com switch.
0: Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by 53124. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. If you guys get this sorted, then we want to invest in Northern Ireland because nowhere else does that exist. Is Rishi Sunak just bored with Northern Ireland? Could the government be cooking up something to get the DUP back into Stormont? As I've been clear, I firmly believe that Northern Ireland is governed best when governed locally, and I agree wholeheartedly with him that the major challenges he raises can only be properly addressed by the restoration of the institutions. Is Sinn Féin being outflanked on the left over Palestine?
1: I have never seen so much anger from the Republican base directed towards the leadership on any issue and over the years. Even people who are very, very loyal to the party were disgusted. It, and you could see every night on Twitter.
0: And why is an SDLP MLA in trouble over becoming a GAA manager? They
1: say that it's incompatible with his role in Stormont and Saturday's very important day for an MLA when he should be out and about in his own constituency on the ground.
0: Those are just some of the stories covered recently by our political editor Suzanne Breen. She joins me on the line. Suzanne, with the way the world is... The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, has a lot on his plate. There's There are wars in the world. He has political problems. His party isn't popular in the polls. You've written recently, maybe he's just too much on to be overly concerned with Northern Ireland. Is he bored?
1: I don't think Rishi Sunak was massively interested in Northern Ireland in the first place, There were certainly no signs of of, of a lot of fascination or interest before his premiership, and I don't think that has changed. He's been here four times since he moved into number 10, but he's never taken the hands-on approach that the likes of Tony Blair took with Northern Ireland. I think he was intent on sorting out the relations between London and Brussels. I think that, more than what's going on in Belfast, was what he was focused on. He signed the Windsor Framework in February, which marked a, a new chapter in relations between the British government and the EU. He was happy with, the, with that progress. There was no significant Tory backlash on the backbenches to the Windsor Framework. And really, it was it's been one of his rare successes in his first year in Downing Street. But he hasn't really seen the full measure of it because of what the DUP has been doing by by refusing to go back to Stormont. And there is, as you say, much else that is now demanding his attention. There's the dire state of the UK economy, all the by-election losses that there has been for the Tories. There's the situation now not only in Ukraine, but the far more pressing one in the Middle East. So Northern Ireland isn't his top priority. He has, I think, delegated a lot to Chris Heaton-Harris, who has been centrally involved. And I I think there has to be a deal for devolution to be up and running by the end of the year. This can't go into 2024. The political bandwidth just won't exist in Westminster to focus on Northern Ireland. So there is a window of opportunity there for Geoffrey Donaldson and the DUP, but it is narrowing with every week and every day.
0: You know, from his own point of view, he would have considered the Windsor framework to have sewn up that situation that he had with the EU. He wanted to get that done and dusted. Suzanne, perhaps Rishi Sunak doesn't understand the DUP, but it has been suggested that he has actually underestimated the DUP.
1: Well, Professor John Tong of the University of Liverpool believes that the Prime Minister has very much underestimated the DUP. I think Rishi Sunak is bewildered that they're staying out of Stormont. He thought the Windsor framework was a winning deal that that would see Geoffrey Donaldson and his party shuffle back into the institutions. There is a lot of frustration in Westminster with the party and at times patience is wearing thin Does Rishi Sunak know the DUP? No, I don't think he does. You couldn't picture him in the tea rooms, in the House of Commons, in deep conversation with them, the way that maybe we would have found Boris Johnson at one point. I think culturally, his big corporate background, he's very different To the DUP and to its members and and representatives, you'd have a very, very different outlook on life. You could never imagine Rishi Sunak, for example, addressing the DUP's annual conference and enjoying it. So I don't think there's any warmth there and I don't think that there is any rapport. But ultimately, that doesn't mean that business can't be done.
0: There's talk of politicians roaming the corridors of Stormont in recent days and recent weeks, including DUP politicians. I wonder, is there something in the off here? Is there something happening behind the scenes?
1: Well, there's been a flurry of DUP activity at Stormont over the past week. Um, One person there said to me that the DUP are now conspicuous by their presence. There certainly is more optimism in Parliament buildings than pessimism. That we will see a restoration of devolution. We are certainly entering the end game. Jeffrey Donaldson said that there are gaps that remain to be addressed. At the DUP conference a few weeks ago, a senior source told me that the party had made a number of big asks of Brussels, and this person actually was optimistic that Brussels would be moving into a position to give the DUP some of what it asked. For, but the, the the dominant view across politics is that the Windsor Framework is here to stay. I think all eyes and ears will be on the King's speech on Tuesday, in which the government's legislative program will be laid out. But ultimately, I think the Windsor Framework is here to stay. Um, Doug Beatty has been saying that the, the government will be focused on making the Windsor Framework work better by making green lanes greener. But the the framework itself isn't going. Now, we know that Jim Allister and Jimmy Bryson, that won't be good enough um, for them. DUP sources at, at a senior level say that they are prepared to take both men on um, if they challenge any deal that Sir Geoffrey Donaldson goes for, but what Geoffrey Donaldson needs most of all is to take the big beasts off his party with him. I think if he does that, if he has a united party, then there is a very real chance that things will be sorted out at Stormont, but at the moment it's still all to play for.
0: We asked the Northern Ireland office to explain if Steve Baker's comments now reflected the government's position. They directed us to what is set out in the Good Friday Agreement already and said that Mr Baker had been expressing a personal opinion. But I still suspect that some in government will not be too happy with what Steve Baker has said.
1: Ministers need to be careful, in my view, in sort of talking in terms of supermajorities or needs. You can't rewrite agreements on the hoof.
0: The NIO Minister Steve Baker, he of Brexit fame, he has said that the Brexit poll showed that any potential Irish unity vote should need to be a supermajority. He told the 65th plenary of the British Irish Parliamentary Assembly that the referendum probably should have a supermajority of at least 60%. That's pure kite flying and it would bend been the Good Friday Agreement. Why is he coming out with that?
1: Well, Steve Baker stressed that he was speaking personally. I think um, he has a reputation and attractive record of kind of obliving on a, a lot of things. Um, the Secretary of State didn't seem very impressed and he made it clear that what Steve Baker said was not government policy. But I, I think those who believe in the Union, who cherish the Union really would be advised not to make such remarks. I think that they are foolish. It's not going to change the requirements as laid out in the Belfast Agreement. Northern Ireland's future will be decided by a 50 plus one majority and that isn't going to change. So if if the situation isn't going to be altered, All that um, unionists and and people like Steve Baker are doing is really irking nationalists and irking the undecided and having the opposite effect of what they intend to do. I mean, changing the rules of the game um, 15 minutes from the final whistle regarding Northern Ireland, um, that just is not on the cards. So why ask for something that won't happen and just riles people?
0: And certainly Michal Martin, who's uh, currently the Taunasche, he has said you can't rewrite agreements on the hoof. And certainly Michal Martin's certainly not someone who wants to rush into uh, a referendum on the border. But he, he, he hit back almost immediately saying this, this just not, can't happen here.
1: Well, the Taoiseach over Varadkar ruled it out. And we previously, years ago, um, Seamus Malham, the SDLP deputy leader, had talked about uh, super majority being needed, but that isn't SDLP policy. And Colum Eastwood made very clear after Steve Baker's um, words that he he found this completely unacceptable. As did Micheal Martin. Um, Micheal Martin said that you 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 can't rewrite these agreements on the hoof. And in Micheal Martin, unionists have someone in Dublin that is really sympathetic to their beliefs and to their concerns Concerns. And I think if, if he is saying something like that, then people really need to set up and take heed.
0: We've mentioned Mihol Martin. He was on the BBC at the weekend on the Sunday Politics with Mark Carruthers. Many seem to think that he really struggled uh, with the BBC's big hitter there.
1: It was a very poor performance by um, Mihol Martin. He seemed to be in difficulty Um, when he was asked if if he stood with a good IRA um, the IRA of the War of Independence whereas the IRA that Sinn Féin defends is the bad IRA and his body language showed that he was massively uncomfortable. He told uh, Mark Carruthers to calm down even though Mark Carruthers was perfectly calm and then he was questioned about an oration that he had delivered in September to mark the 103rd anniversary of the Renine Ambush in County Clare, and in in that ambush, six RIC officers were killed. Uh, just before it, the IRA had shot dead a local magistrate and had attempted to disappear him by filling his pockets full of stones and throwing him in a lake. And when Micheál Martin was questioned about his speech, which which honoured the the people um, responsible for the ambush, he kept saying to Mark Rothers, did you read it? I'm trying to stress how different it was from the kind of speech that Sinn Féin um, would give. But if you actually go through Micheál Martin's speech, I think it was far more glowing about the people behind the ambush than any speech Sinn Féin leaders today um, in 2023 would make of IRA people Um, in in the more recent conflict. Micheál Martin spoke about the bravery and the sacrifice of those involved. He said they brought the Republican struggle to the attention of Ireland and the rest of the world. He said that events that day were a turning point in the revolution and that an imperial power Britain that had just won a war war couldn't, in in Micheál Martin's words, couldn't subdue Ireland. He paid tribute to the men and women of the IRA. He said they weren't naive. They knew that the struggle would never be easy. He went into detail about the operation. He hailed the volunteers' discipline and their organisation, which meant that they escaped and had been able to remain active for the rest of the war of independence. And he spoke about how their deeds were celebrated in song. He said that there was a ballad that was sung proudly throughout Clare there. And I think that some people in Northern Ireland will be thinking, well, you know, how is that different from some of the songs that the Wolf Tones think? And they will see double standards in romanticising armed campaigns of the past in the way that Michel Martin has done and yet taking a different stance on a more recent armed campaign when actually there are so many similarities there. It isn't an exact similarity but certainly there are are things that are very much the same and I think people up here would know that In no, no armed campaign is ever a clean fight and you know we had RIC men shot in their beds shot at the races, shot out shopping, shot when they were unarmed and I think the debate about the IRA, about the re- republicanism um, in Ireland really requires more intellectual honesty than at times we get
0: we have breaking news out of Israel this morning where Hamas has launched a surprise attack within Israel.
1: As we speak, Palestinian gunmen are inside Israeli cities and towns,
0: something we have Israel's never before seen. Israel's retaliation before. has begun. All day, airstrikes hit the Gaza Strip, targeting Hamas 500 Palestinians are said to have been killed in an explosion at a hospital in Gaza City. Patients... People wounded from the war and many simply taking shelter. Some horrifying breaking news there. So we know that uh, the Jabalaya refugee camp was struck. This is the largest refugee camp in Gaza and one of the most densely populated areas. Suzanne, there's huge interest and passion for and solidarity with the Palestinian cause particularly on the nationalist side of the community and among socialists. I am, of course, simplifying that here. But it is slightly complicated for Sinn Féin now.
1: Yes, it is. Um, Sinn Féin, I think, had a very straightforward position in the past. Um, For example, Sinn Féin in 2021 told Al Jazeera, that the time had gone for words of condemnation about Israel now is the time for decisive action against what Sinn Féin called a lawbreaker that presides over an apartheid system and Sinn Féin two years ago called for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador from Ireland Um, in 2018 we had a whole string of Sinn Féin people Gerry Adams, Mary Lou Macdonald, Pierre Doherty, people um, in, in, in the north as well calling for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador, Mary Lou in particular, was very militant in her approach. Um, She said he should be sent packing as a symbol that Irish people weren't empty vessels and they backed up their words of condemnation with actions. And the irony now is that Sinn Féin is accused of not doing that and of speaking out of both sides of its mouth on Gaza, of being opportunistic and not principled because the party won't support um, motions that have gone before councils here um, asking for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador. There was a motion before Darian Straban council um, calling for the ambassador's Israeli ambassadors to Dublin and London to be expelled. That was brought by People Before Profit. It was supported by the SDLP and independent Republicans, and it passed, but Sinn Féin abstained. In Mid-Ulster, there was a motion brought by independent Republicans, again supported by the SDLP, and again Sinn Féin abstained. And that has led to fierce criticism by Palestinian campaigners and People Before Profit. People in Gaza—they're watching, they're looking, and they're seeing where support uh, is coming from and who
0: who is with them. I don't always agree with people for profit on much, uh, but we will
1: uh, support their proposal tonight, and uh, we will be be voting for that. Also, what made it very hard for Sinn Féin was that the SDLP also called for the Israeli ambassador to Ireland to be expelled. There was a big vote on Belfast City Council and the SDLP backed the People Before Profit resolution, as did the Greens. Now, I think if it had just been People Before Profit on its own, then life would have been easier for Sinn Féin. But the fact that the SDLP and the Greens also adopted this strong, radical line made it look very, very bad for Sinn Féin and I think they felt very uneasy and then on Friday we saw a statement from Mary Lou Macdonald which represented a U-turn on the party's previous position. Um, Mary Lou Macdonald said that the Israeli ambassador in Ireland that her position was now untenable and that the ambassador should no longer enjoy diplomatic status in Ireland while Israel refuses to call it ceasefire, a death toll grows in Gaza. So this came more than three weeks into the conflict and it was a major reversal of Sinn Féin's previous position, very much from under pressure from both inside the Republican community, from outside and from Palestinian activists.
0: Why did they change the policy? Do you think? Well, I mean, obviously, we're slightly th- speculating, but but you know, why why do you think the Sinn Féin would have would have changed their policy on this?
1: Sinn Féin was really feeling pressure from its grassroots. I have never seen so much anger from the republican base directed towards the leadership on any issue, and over the years, e- even in decades, I mean, Sinn Féin has stretched its supporters on many things. It has made many compromises that I think. Grassroots have been uneasy with handshakes with royalty, attending the Queen's funeral. Uh, it's it's being there for King Charles's coronation. But I think this compromise was just a bridge too far for for grassroots people. Even people who are very very loyal to the party were disgusted. And you could see every night on Twitter hundreds, of, sometimes thousands. Of people calling on the the party to reverse its decision not to support expelling the Israeli ambassador. And I think that that came from night after night of people watching pictures of the slaughter in Gaza, of kids getting killed, of kids losing their mothers, their fathers, whole families being wiped out, children being left with horrendous injuries. And what we were also seeing was that some Sinn Fein representatives, including very senior ones, were tweeting demands for the Israeli ambassador to be expelled. And then literally in a few hours, those tweets were deleted. Clearly, Sinn Féin was policing its own representatives and attempting to box them in and to make make them support a policy of not challenging the Israeli um, ambassador's presence in Ireland that these representatives felt very, very uncomfortable about. I, I think a key intervention came on Thursday when the Irish Republican Felons Association retweeted Um, a tweet but with a key comment and that tweet was from a Sinn Féin TD which was very critical of what Israel is doing in Gaza and the felons retweeted it but with the demand that Sinn Féin support the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador. Now the felons represents thousands of ex-Republican prisoners, it's a very significant voice in the Republican community. The felons tweet like that of some Sinn Féin politicians was gone the next morning. Clearly, again, um, Sinn Féin policemen were at work. But that tweet... Really showed symbolised the chasm that had erupted in the broad republican movement over this issue. I think Sinn Féin was also worried about the reception that it was going to receive at the pro-Palestinian peace demonstration that is uh, t- taking place in Belfast on Saturday. Declan Kearney was booed at the previous demonstration at Belfast City Hall um, on, on last Saturday. So I think Sinn was worried about what was going to happen. And it's a very uncomfortable position for the party to be in when Palestinian activists and some of its own base are actually heckling its representatives. Now, there was also, I think, very um, embarrassing challenges for the party coming from John Hurston. He is a lorry driver from Tyrone. He has driven aid. Um, From Tyrone to Gaza, he is involved in a lot of humanitarian gestures and and moves. He took aid um, to immigrants in Calais and he also took it last year to Ukraine. And he accused the Sinn Féin leadership of completely selling out on Gaza so that Mary Lou Macdonald could become Taoiseach. And he thought that um, calling for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador, that that, that Sinn Féin had worked it in, that that would scare Middle Ireland and that it would frighten off some voters. Um, He also said that the party had capitulated to President Biden and a host of powerful Irish-American politicians and that it didn't want to alienate those people. And really, the dead bodies of men, women and children in Gaza weren't as important to to Sinn Féin as keeping their powerful friends. I think the um, position that Sinn Féin had originally adopted um, on Gaza, not calling for the Israeli ambassador to be expelled, opened up many questions about the party and what it would mean if there is a Sinn Féin government in the Republic. I think that parts of its base were now starting to say, well. Will it deliver radical change if Sinn Féin, the Sinn Féin leadership is backtracking on something that it said for decades before it was in government about the Israeli ambassador? If it's backtracking on that now, well, thousands of people are being killed what would Sinn Féin actually be like in power and does it really mouth radical policies but then when it's uncomfortable when it doesn't suit does it just drop them without a moment's thought
0: And I suppose there's no surprise politically that people before profit will try and profit politically from Sinn Féin's discomfort here
1: I think people before profit will be glad that the Sinn Féin leadership has reversed its policy and that Sinn Féin now shares People Before profit stance and that of the Greens and the SDLP on removing the Israeli ambassador um, from Ireland. But what it will probably say was that it took a long time for Sinn Féin to come round to this position and it took a lot of lobbying from both inside the party and outside the party, and that that doesn't particularly bode well for people who believe that Sinn Féin does represent radical politics and and politics that will make a difference in the Republic if Mary Lou Macdonald becomes Taoiseach. Suzanne, we'll
0: turn to a much, much less serious uh, story, and yet one which I find extremely interesting. Just to give the headline on one of your stories, Fine senators struggling to understand the SDLP for trying to take out their own MLA over a GAA role. This is because Justin McNulty, an Armagh 2002 All Ireland winner, has been appointed as Leash GAA football manager. What's this story?
1: Well, it, it's a really, really um, strange story, and um, as, as the headline suggests, well, just, Justin McNulty is the SDLP's MLA for Newry and Armagh. He has held that position since 20 he as as you've said he's an All-Ireland medal winner and he's recently been appointed as Leish's football manager now party headquarters aren't happy at this development they believe that this is not in keeping with with the stance that they have taken on double jobbing Um, they think that it really can't work for an MLA to take such a position, particularly one in a, a job as far away as Leash. They're saying that there, you know, there is a two hundred mile road trip every time Justin McNulty will be um, going to work for the GAA. And um, they, they, they say that it's incompatible with his role in Stormont. They say, for example, that he will be away um, for weekends. And Saturdays, the, the party leadership say Saturdays are a very important day for an MLA when he should be out and about in his own constituency, on the ground. Now, Justin McNulty completely disagrees and his supporters completely disagree with that analysis. They say that it's not an issue. Stormont, particularly now when Stormont isn't sitting and... Justin McNulty's supporters say that he is shocked and saddened by the party's attitude um that being a senior county manager in the biggest sporting community in Ireland as he will be is all positive and there are no negatives and they say they are just completely lost as to why the SDLP's leadership is taking this position.
0: I covered this story when Justin McNulty originally stood for election. And I think it's fair to say that he ran as an All-Ireland winner. I mean, this is... he. he, he when he was canvassing he had an o'neill's ga football in in his hands he made references to the ga and playing gaelic uh, football at every possible opportunity so this this wouldn't seem as a surprise. I just wonder then, is there something more to this? Is there a little bit of politics going on here?
1: I think that it is no secret that um, Justin McNulty would not be a um, favourite of party um, headquarters. um, But leadership um, sources stress that they genuinely don't see how he can do um, both jobs. Um, He is somebody for whom the GAA is a complete and absolute passion. And someone who spoke very strongly in his favour to me recently was Senator Niall Blaney, who is the Fianna Fáil spokesperson in Northern Ireland. And he really launched a blistering attack on the SDLP leadership. He said it had lost its way. He said that this was a far cry from the party of Hume and Mallon. He said that he saw Justin Nolte all the time, that he worked with them and the same couldn't be said of SDLP leadership figures and um, Niall Blaney said that the SDLP should be doing all its its utmost to retain Um, someone like Justin he he said was was very talented in its ranks, he said that Sinn Féin would be jealous that um, the SDLP had this all Ireland medal winner and really what the SDLP was doing was crazy. Now Niall Blaney had approached me to, to speak about um, Justin and you know it, it was a remarkable interview normally I think journalists are um, you know sometimes maybe encouraging politicians to say things, to, to draw things out of them um, this wasn't like it at all I mean the words, the adjectives the strength of feeling and, and, and sentiment for Justin Mc. McNeil- and against the SDLP leadership for what it had done um, was 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 flooring, and the headlines wrote themselves.
0: I think it's a, a story we'll probably be talking about again. Suzanne Brain, political editor with the Belfast Telegraph. Thank you very much.